You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit. And I know immediately whenever we started this series and we start talking about the Holy Spirit, many times it can be, uh, it can be easy to pump the brakes a little because the Holy Spirit's been misrepresented many times uh, over the years. Uh, he's been misrepresented, I say that in the sense of he has been, he's been shown to people in a way that doesn't align with God's word or with his design for the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I would just say this, today specifically we're talking about praying in tongues. I'm just going to call it what it is. You may hear pray, you know, uh, speaking in tongues, praying in the Spirit, all of this, those different things. And uh, this is one of those topics that is very, it can be very confusing for people. And so much so that many people, ah, I don't want any part of that. You know what I mean? Like I understand God the Father, Jesus the Son, but ah, I don't know about that whole, you know, speaking in tongues thing. Like, can I, ha- can I go to heaven without that tongues thing? And the, the short answer is yes, you can. But my prayer is that today you would understand more of what this language is for you and how it can be used to help you in a big way. In fact, I would also say this, that many times we often um, criticize most what we understand the least. We criticize most what we understand the least. That's why it's easy to criticize someone else's life or their situation because you don't know all the facts. But when you know the facts, how many times, many times I've had to put my, my foot in my mouth and be like, oh, that makes a little more sense. It's the same way with the Holy Spirit. We can criticize most what we understand the least, what we understand the least. In fact, let me just share a little bit of my story. You know, whenever I was younger, whenever I was five years old and younger, I was a little bit of uh, an animal wild child, okay? Um, like one of those kids, whenever you see him out in public, it's just like you look at the parents and you're just like, God bless them, you know? Um, yeah, hang in there, you know? You're going you're gonna to get through it, I think. Uh, you know, you're, they're trying to wrangle this kid, and that was me whenever I was five years old and younger. I was wild. I had two older brothers, so I learned really quickly. I got to learn to defend myself a little bit. And there was times when, man, I was still in diapers and my brothers weren't. But, man, we'd, be, we'd go down in the basement. We lived in Iowa. We'd go down in the basement, and, man, I, I would take toys from them, make them cry. I had a bottle in my mouth, and I'm just, like, beating them with these, these play swords. Like, I learned to defend myself really quick. There was times where I would get in trouble doing stuff I shouldn't be doing. And, you know, I got a spanking. I'd get a whooping, and I would take a few steps away from my parents. I would turn around and literally growl at them and then run the other direction. Like, I was that kid, you know? You couldn't phase me. No door could, that was locked could hold me back. Um, you can talk to my mom about it. Literally, I basically almost having to put me on a leash in the backyard just to keep me from escaping. Like, that's the kind of, she didn't do that. Okay, don't be calling, you know, whatever. But you get the point, okay? Um, I was a wild child. But at five years old, I made the decision to follow Jesus. I asked Jesus to come into my heart. I was, I was water baptized, and then I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit shortly after that. And whenever I see, received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, we were going to, to church, and it was after, I think it was a Wednesday night uh, service. After Wednesday night service, I came out, and my parents came to pick me up, and in that, when they came to pick me up, some of you heard the story before, when they came to pick me up, I was so excited that I had received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and I had received my prayer language, and the only other language I knew was Spanish. And so whenever they picked me up, I looked at them and I said, hey, I got Spanish tonight. And my parents were like, what? <laughs> what, uh, 
kind of curriculum are they teaching in there, right? Like, what do you mean you got Spanish? Like, I, I don't know, but, you know, we were, we were praying, and I said, I raised my hand, I wanted to, you know, get a prayer language, and I got Spanish. Like, I thought the only thing I could register as Spanish is the, my prayer language. Um, it's not my, my prayer language, but it's the only thing I could compare in my mind. But I got it, and my parents finally put things together. Oh, you received the baptism of the Spirit. You have, you have your you know, praying in tongues. You, you do that. Yeah, absolutely. And so they asked me right there in the hallway. People are passing by. Hey, show us, show us what you learned, what you got in, in class. Right there in the hallway, man, I just start going for it. You know, Shunda, you know, Kickstarter Honda, all this stuff. Like, I'm going for it. And, and I, they're just like, oh, my gosh, five years old, right? I'm five, six years old. And from that moment on, the trajectory of my life drastically changed. And it wasn't until just a few years ago that honestly we kind of pinned myself and my parents and my wife kind of pinpointed it down like, when did I go from being the crazy animal, put me on a leash, you know, child, right? Growl at my parents after a whooping child to in school, I would go and man, never had detention. I, uh, you know, there was a few times in elementary school where things would happen in class and kids would say, hey, ask Dan, he doesn't lie. And I don't say that, obviously, I wasn't perfect. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying I went from this ditch over here to the middle ground. I wasn't perfect in this ditch, okay, but I went to the middle ground. And I got to walk a different path because of this point in my life. Where as a child, I was taught there's a baptism in the Holy Spirit, which if you missed last week, man, catch that on. You can go back. Last week I talked more about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Watch that either on YouTube or on our podcast. Man, go back and watch that because um, I talked specifically about the three baptisms available. But I also received my prayer language. And from that moment on, man, I have been using my prayer language all the time, almost more so on a daily basis from that point in my life even until now. And it wasn't even until later in my life that I truly understood the importance of praying in the Spirit or praying in tongues. But my prayer is simply this today. I share that to just say, look, you may have seen some weird stuff. You may have been in some weird stuff. Or you may have been taught some things that don't necessarily align with God's Word. So what I'm asking you to do is this. Today, we have an open heart. And will you just look, let's just look at what God's word says. And like I always say, don't take Pastor Dan's word for it. Take God's word for it. That's why you have those note-taking cards. Take it home. Study in your Bible. See what God's word says about praying in the Spirit. And I promise you, after we look at it today, you're going to have a fresh fire. Or maybe you'll be even willing to, to do it for the first time and be open to receive it. God has big things for you. Here's one thing I want to remind us before we hop into is this. Salvation is for eternity. I'm not talking about um, a salvation experience today. I'm not, that's not the majority of my message. Salvation is for eternity. The baptism in the Holy Spirit in our prayer language is for our spiritual success here on earth. When you get to heaven, you won't need it because everything's perfect. But here, where it's very much not perfect, you need some help. You need some power in your life to walk this thing out. And this is what the prayer language is. Praying in tongues, though, there's two different versions. The first thing is this. There's a gift of tongues. And we're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit next week. There's the gift of tongues where this is what happens in public, where someone would get up, and maybe you've been in a service like this before, someone would get up, pray in tongues, or pray in a heavenly language outside of our understanding, outside of English. Someone else would interpret and basically, not translate word for word, but interpret what that message was from God to the people. 
The second one is the grace of tongues. The grace of tongues is a personal prayer language that's outside your understanding, but it's for you in your own personal quiet time. It's for you in your own personal quiet time. And I'll show you here in just a second what I'm talking about. If you're taking notes, write this down. Praying in tongues is a language. Praying in tongues is a language. Today, we're going to focus on the grace of tongues, meaning my own personal time with God when I am praying in, in, in the Spirit, not for anyone else to hear, not, to, not any of that. I'm talking about the grace, my own personal time. Praying in tongues, it is a language. That's what we need to realize. Let me show you a few scriptures here. Acts 2, 3 through 4, it says this. This is the day of Pentecost. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. Remember, we've been talking about this. Spirit is tough to translate in, in, in the original languages. And many times it, was, it should have been translated, could have been translated as wind or wind in your sails or a breath of air. That's what we're seeing here, as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. One sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There's so much we could dive into in just those two verses there, but we're not going to. Let's move on for the sake of what I want to look at today. Acts 2, 5 through 6, let's continue on. And there, uh, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and they were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. I don't have this verse on there. You can write this one down. Though. If you skip down to verse 11, it says this. They, they responded. They heard it in their own language. Remember that. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Stop here for a second. Anytime praying in tongues or praying in the Spirit is done in public or even in private, anytime we pray in the Spirit, it's for edification. Edification, which is what? To build you up. So, if it's done in public, in a public setting, here's what God did. If it's done in a public setting, as in the gift of tongues, it needs to be interpreted. Someone needs to give the message. Otherwise, Paul says, if you read 1 Corinthians 2.14, or 14, he says, look, no one's edified. You're going to be praying outside of our understanding, and what are we doing here? Like, we're going to be confused. God's not the author of confusion. It needs to be interpreted. Here, God does it in a unique way where they're praying in a heavenly language, praying in the Spirit, and these people actually hear it in their own language. But what does it still do? It edifies them because they hear, we hear them speaking the wonderful works of God. It's building them up. In a private time, it's for edification as well. It is designed to light a fire in your spirit to embolden you and to release you to go and to have power to walk as Jesus walked. Let me show you. Let me answer this question as we dive into this. Why do we need a language? Why did God say, hey, I'm going to give you an extra language to speak? That seems a little strange. One of the biggest problems Christians, Christians face, or even people face, is we try to think our way through to God with our argumentative minds. We almost treat God as a math problem. Well, if I can solve this thing, if I can really understand with my mind, then I will believe. If, I, if you can prove it to me, then I'll become a Christian, right? I'm trying to solve him. He's not a math problem to be solved. If he was, there would be no faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. He is higher and way beyond our ways and our thoughts. There is no way I could possibly solve 
everything. But what I can do is I can experience him intimately in a greater way through the Holy Spirit and have better understanding, not just head knowledge, but heart knowledge about him so that I can represent him well here on this earth. But the more we think, the more we, um, the more we think our way through to God, the more we get involved in theories, in ideas, and the more we trust life experience rather than God's word. Meaning this, I prayed for this and it didn't happen, so that must not be God's will. Even though, let's say it didn't happen, but God's word says that it is his will for that person to be healed or for you to have that need met or for you to, whatever it may be. It can be easy to think our way through, well, I prayed, prayed in Jesus' name, I followed the right formula, didn't happen, must not be God's will. He's not a formula to be solved. It requires faith to grow into that deeper intimacy with God. This is why I'm asking us to look at his word and to say, we criticize most what we understand least. God says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. For a lack of knowledge. I have to know this book. And if I don't know this book, I don't even know what to pray for. And if I don't know this book, I will miss out on some of the best things God has for me. Specifically today, we're talking about the prayer language. Let me show you a verse here. 1 Corinthians 2, 12 through 14. It says this, Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, capital Esther, that's the Holy Spirit, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit, capital S, it's the Holy Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. It's in topics like this that it's hard for people who haven't received Jesus into their heart to truly grasp it. It's not impossible but I would also say this, it's also hard for people who have grown up in church, who have been taught something that doesn't necessarily align with God's word to receive these topics. Because it has to be what? Spiritually discerned. Not here. Because if I'm thinking with this, what does he say? It's foolishness. Man thinks it's foolishness. But the Holy Spirit says, I'm going to show you the fullness of God. Spirit to spirit. Not figured out, discerned in here. It's a discerning. The primary advantage of speaking in tongues is that it gets my mind out of the way long enough so that God can operate more fully within me and through me. It's a language outside of my understanding. And so what does it do? It bypasses the part of me that wants to filter it. The part of me that says, well, my pastor growing up said this, or man, I saw this on YouTube, it bypasses all of that, and it's what? Spirit to spirit, and I am connected perfectly with him, praying a perfect prayer, and according to his will is what he wants. One of the major misbeliefs, though, when it comes to praying in tongues as it is a language, is that many people think, well, if God wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. Can't tell you how many times I've heard that, right? If God wants me to have it, you know, it's just going to happen. He'll give it to me. But again, the issue is when we read God's word, what do we see? He's already given it to you. Have you accessed it is the question. 
That's how it is with the promises of God. In fact, a great sign of spiritual maturity is when we stop begging and pleading with God for things that he's already promised to do. And we start praying in agreement with what he's already promised to do. But when I don't know God, what do I do? I beg, God, please, if it's your will, please. And it's a strained relationship, but that's never how God designed it. He said, if you'd read this, you would know me because this is my will. My, his, my word is my will, and you would know how to pray. And when you pray in agreement with his will, what does he say? I will move on your behalf. That's why we have to know his word. We have to know his word. It, well, if God wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. He's already given you access. Once you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he's given you access to it. You have to take advantage of it, though. Have I done my part? A great comparison is this. Let's say today you're leaving, right? And as you're walking out those doors over there, we have our little giving drop box. Let's say you're walking by and um, a dollar hops out of that giving drop box and it lands in your pocket, right? And you're like, whoa, you look to your spouse, babe, hey, yeah, I got the gift of giving today. Did you see that? It just, it just showed up like that. Just It hopped out of there into my pocket. Like I got it. Now I'm going to start giving. I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to start giving to other people. It's a little ridiculous, right? Like money's not going to do that. God's not going to take the money out of there and give, do that magically like that. He's not going to. But people expect that to happen with the Holy Spirit. Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit as a gift. He's a gift to you. He's the promised gift to you. It's not just going to take over someday and show up someday. What do I have to do? Just like giving. I got I to gotta put that dollar in there by faith. My act of faith is met with the action of God. And now we can partner together and we can walk together. But so many times people are walking around, well, if he wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. When he says, if you would, if you would just step, I'll meet you there. I will meet you there and I will help you pray in agreement with my word. Let's continue on. The second thing is this. It is a language, but it's a language of the spirit. It's a language of the Holy Spirit. It's a language of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, 2, it says this, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. So, easy question, right? Is it ever wrong to talk to God? Come on, you can answer. Is it ever wrong to talk to God? No. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. So is it wrong to pray in the Spirit? Pray in tongues. Biblically, no. Just talking to God. That's, that's what he's showing us. It's that simple. But what does he say? However, you're praying in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. That's what we talked about earlier. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher than us. For me, it's a mystery, but my spirit says, come on. The Holy Spirit within me says, come on, I know that. I know that's truth. I know you're not experiencing that, but man, God's word says this, and he's building and edifying himself up in the spirit. It's a language of the Holy Spirit. Let's skip down 1 Corinthians 14, 14 through 15. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then, or what, what am I going to do then? Look at this. I will pray with the spirit. I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit, and I will also sing with my understanding. A couple things to point out here. First thing is this. He says, if I pray, meaning what? He has control. 
So many people think, man, I'm going to be going through Target. If I get this, I'm going to be going through Target or Walmart, and I'm going to get that urge, right, to grab that mic and start, you know, praying in the Spirit over the loudspeaker of the whole store, right? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's a partnership. Holy Spirit will never force you to do something. He's just like Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He's a gentleman that stands at the door and knocks. If you'll let him in, he'll show you the way. But he says, if I pray, he has control. 1 Corinthians 14 is a, is a guidebook for us on praying in the Spirit. If we didn't control it, why does Paul have to give us a guidebook to do it? If I had no control, he's wasting his time. Not him, the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit wrote this. He's not wasting his time. He's saying, look, you can, but what's he say? With the Spirit. If I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying. I'm getting outside of just my understanding, my praying in my understanding. When I pray in English, I have limited understanding. I'm limited. I have worldly thinking. I have filtered prayers. Because here's the thing. As the pastor of this church, I pray for our church members. I pray for you every single week. But can I tell you this? I run out of English words really fast. There's only so much. Can I tell you this? I don't know what's going on in your life that day. How can I? But who does know? Holy Spirit. So, I pray for you in the Spirit every single week. And I thank God that I do. Whether you thank God I do or not, I do because he's praying perfect prayers about you and about your spouse and your family, things that I would never even know about. Or maybe you're not even willing to share with me, which is fine. But he knows, and he will cover the bases for you. He's got your six, and I'm just doing my part. I'm going to pray in the Spirit. God, guide my prayer today. Holy Spirit, as I pray for my church family, I pray that you would just use me. Pray for what they need most. And my spirit is working for your spirit outside of my understanding. My spirit is praying. My understanding is limited. But how many times do we just limit our prayers with our own understanding? This is why, to be honest with you, I pray more in the spirit than I do in English for that reason right there. I pray more in the spirit than I do in English because I run out of words. I got my prayer list and I pray over it every week or every day. And as I'm praying, eventually I run out. But there's things happening in my life, in my family's life, in my body. Man, I'm having this illness or I'm facing this thing. I don't know why. I can pray for things that maybe my doctor doesn't know about that's happening inside my body when I pray in the Spirit. I can address it. But too many people are praying soulish prayers, which is what? You're made up of three parts, right? Body, soul, which is mind, will, and emotions, and a spirit. Too many people are praying with just their mind, their will, and their emotions. And he says, stop. Pray in your understanding, yes, but pray in the Spirit as well. What's he say? He says, I will sing with the Spirit. I'm still working on that. And I will also sing in my understanding. It's a joyful thing. It's something to be encouraged and to, and to embrace. Let me show you a few scriptures that he says. 1 Corinthians 14. If you want to do a deep dive into this this week, read 1 Corinthians 14. Read some commentary on it. It's phenomenal. 1 Corinthians 14, 18. He says this. I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than you all, more than all of you. He's like, look, I'm doing it. <laughs> I thank God that I do it more. Why? Because he knows the benefit. He knows the benefit of it. First Corinthians 14, 5, he says this, look, I wish you all spoke with tongues. 
Paul wrote that, but Holy Spirit breathed that. That's what's amazing. God himself breathed that about you. About the church at Corinth, absolutely, but about you. That's why it's in his word today. I wish, and make it personal, Dan, I wish you prayed in tongues. Man, when you make it personal, when you make the Bible personal like that, it'll change your life. That gives me the faith to say, all right, I'm going to have the courage to take a step and see what happens. Look at this next one. This next one's interesting. We don't talk about this very often, but 1 Corinthians 14, 39, it says, do not forbid to speak with tongues. Can I tell you, I've read 1 Corinthians 14, but this past week when I read that verse, man, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Because how many well-meaning pastors and churches are speaking against this when God's word says, don't you dare forbid it. Because the Holy Spirit, more than anyone, knows the benefit of it. Don't forbid it. Don't forbid it. Life and death. Proverbs tells us this. What? Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Here's what's amazing. When you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the, the first thing he touches is your tongue. Is your tongue. Think about that. Life and death. Why? So that he can, he can change, again, the trajectory of your life. He can change the trajectory of your life. We have the opportunity to submit our tongues to the Holy Spirit and let him bring life and life abundantly to us. That's why my life was changed when I was five. When I went from being an animal to figuring my stuff out, right, and following Jesus and leading by example, leading my brothers by example, if I'm being honest. Why? Because I was doing this. And I allowed the Holy Spirit to lead me into life and life abundantly because of the words I was speaking. Though they were outside my understanding, life and death are in the power of the tongue. What am I speaking? What am I speaking? This past week, I was listening to a message from Pastor Robert Morris uh, from Gateway Church in Texas. And he shares a story of whenever he first received this. He received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but he didn't receive his prayer language right away. He grew up in a church that was very much against praying in tongues, very much against it, so much so that they even thought that it was demonic in a sense. So he had a ton of religious hang-ups and and, and blocks in order to to really receive this. But he had received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And one night, he went to bed early and he was sleeping, and his wife comes in into their bedroom, and she hears him praying in the Spirit. He had never done it before. She hears him praying in the Spirit. And so the next morning, she comes up to him. She says, hey, I heard you last night. He's like, what are you talking about? She's like, I heard you in the bed when you were praying. He's like, I wasn't, I was asleep in the bed. I don't know what you're talking about. She says, no, I heard you praying in the spirit when you were, when you were in the bed. He's like, I, I was asleep. I wasn't doing, I don't know what you're talking about. And she said, but I heard you praying in the spirit and you were really good at it. Like, it, sound, it sounded like you'd been doing it for years. And he says, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And in that moment, he realized the revelation from, the, from God himself. He had such a stronghold in his life when it came to this that it was almost as if the Holy Spirit had to wait. He would see the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was almost like he had to wait for Pastor Robert to go to bed so that he could pray on his behalf. Now, that's a very few times where the Holy Spirit will truly take control. But I don't know if you know this. Your spirit doesn't sleep. Your spirit doesn't sleep. His spirit was willing. His flesh was weak. 
That's what Jesus said. So what happened? Man, Pastor Robert's been praying all day, right? He's been praying. He's been praying in his understanding. And it's like the Holy Spirit's waiting. As soon as he falls asleep, he can go then to the Heavenly Father and say, okay, I know he was praying these things, but here's some more details about the situation. Let's pray in agreement with your word. I know he said that, but let's put that aside. He didn't really mean that. Here's what he really meant to say. And it's what Romans tells us. What? He, Holy Spirit takes our imperfect prayers, makes them perfect in alignment with God's word so that, so that God will hear and respond to us. So many people are saying, well, I don't feel anything. I'm trying, but I just don't feel anything, you know? But the question is, do you always feel something when you pray in English, or do you just pray by faith? Do you always feel something when you write that tithe check, or do you just drop it in by faith? Many times I don't feel a thing until I start, and then I do. Many times we have to start, even if we don't feel anything, and breakthrough comes after we start, when I take the first step. Number three is this. When it comes to praying in tongues, it is a pure language. It is a pure language. Last week, we talked about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. A few months ago, we did a series on prayer, and I spent two full weekends on praying in tongues, on, on this prayer language. If you have more questions about this, I would encourage you to go back on our podcast or on our YouTube page and watch that prayer series where I talked about praying in the Spirit. Um, you can find it easily on YouTube or on our website for our, the podcast. Go back. I cover a lot more detail of where we see this in God's Word. I'm just touching a little bit of a different angle. But in that series, I also talked about this point right here. It's a pure language. And I truly believe that if we would understand this as the church, that it would change everything. And I'm going to show you why I believe that. In Genesis chapter 11, verse 1, it says this, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. When God created the earth, it had one language. The original language. It wasn't English, right? Sorry to burst your bubble if you thought it was. It wasn't English. I would say it's, it wasn't Hebrew but that it was a heavenly language. And I could get into this more, but I'm just gonna give you some of the, the highlighted points. I would say this too, when a child's learning to speak, what's the language they learn? Well, mom and dad are speaking. Most likely the original language Adam learned is a language that he learned from God, a heavenly language. That's what our prayer language is. When I pray in the spirit, it's a heavenly language that's outside my understanding, but even better, it's outside the understanding of our enemy, the devil. He doesn't understand it. He doesn't even comprehend it. That's why he's furious that churches would still preach on it because he's worked really hard to make it weird over all these years because he knows if you would pray this way, that you have a direct line of communication with our Heavenly Father. With great communication comes a great relationship, a strong relationship, and he knows you are powerful when you have it. But here's what happens. All the people of the earth, they're, they're working together one language, right? Then they have this great idea. Hey, we're going to build a tower to heaven, right? We're going we're gonna, to, man, we're going to build this thing, and we're going to get all the way to heaven, and we're going to be up there with God. What are they doing? They're elevating themselves to be gods. We're going to build this tower. But look at this in Genesis 11, 5 through 6. It says this, But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building, Look at this. Look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, 
nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. They're united. They are one. They have one language, heavenly language. Nothing they set out to do will be impossible. Jesus, God, is saying, if they keep going, they can build a tower to heaven. Nothing they set out to do will be impossible. So what does he do? He comes down, he breaks up their language, and he gives away all of these different languages, and they people have to scatter, and they can't work in one accord anymore. They can't work together. They're no longer one. They're no longer united by this heavenly language that has power tied to it. And so they scatter, and the, and the, the tower fails. Let's skip a little bit forward to a prophecy in Zephaniah 3.9. Look at this. This is prophesying of the Messiah to come, of Jesus to come. And it says, For then I will restore to the peoples, that's plural with an S, keep that in mind, peoples, a pure language that they may call on the name of the Lord to serve him with one accord. A couple key things. Restore. You can't restore something that wasn't there in the first place. Restoring is to give back. It's to give back. He says, I'm going to give back to the peoples, right? What does that mean? Not one group, to all the peoples of the earth. I'm going to give back to the entire earth, men, women alike. I'm going to re restore this pure language that they may serve the Lord with one accord. All right? Then in Acts 2, let's read a few verses here. This is when the prophecy is fulfilled. Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost has fully come. Pentecost. Everyone, a lot of people freak out when they hear that, that word, right? Pentecost. You know what it means? 50. Okay? It's not scary. People hear that and they run from it. It means 50. Okay? Let's, let's move forward. Let's put that in. Now we have peace of mind. Let's keep going. They had, and the day of Pentecost had fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, one sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Do you see it? One language, one people, nothing they set out to do will be impossible. Well, they used it for evil, so God split the language. Zephaniah prophesies and says, look, I'm going to restore them to them a pure language. I'm going to give that language back to them so that they can serve me with one accord and what? They're going to turn the earth on its head. Nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. What do we see? The, the prophecy fulfilled in Acts 2. The day of Pentecost comes, the Holy Spirit is poured out, and what happens? They're serving him with one accord. The first thing he touches is their mouth, and he gives them a prayer language, which is what? Restoring a pure language. Now they can serve with one accord. Nothing they set out to do will be impossible. And what did they do? They changed history. They changed history. Nothing they set out to do will be impossible. Can I tell you, it hasn't changed for me and you. This is what they talk about too. In Acts 2, he's, he's referencing back to a prophecy in Joel, but he says, look, in the end times, God is gonna pour out his spirit on all people. Acts 2, 17. You remember, remember in Zephaniah, he says, restore to all the peoples. Acts 2, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pour out my spirit on all people. It's fulfilled. And guess what, church? If we, would get, if we would understand this and if we would lean into this and realize that our Heavenly Father has nothing bad for us but only good things, and if I would take a step of faith and I would actually just say, Holy Spirit, I don't understand it completely up here. I get that. But I'm going to have the courage to step today and trust you 
to give me that prayer language so that I can use it. And if we would understand that as a church, nothing will be impossible for us. God is looking for churches like that. He's looking for churches that he can say, man, I'm gonna pour out my spirit in full on them because they're serving with one accord and they have the language and I can use them. I can use them because they trust me enough to do it. When we pray in the spirit, we don't pray selfish, earthly prayers. We pray perfect prayers aligned with God's will. I'm praying in total agreement with God's will. So I can pray for my marriage, my kids, my finances, my career. I can pray for my future, right? My future spouse, my future kids, my future career. I can pray for these things without me even knowing. But I can pray in the spirit and my spirit prays on my behalf. Speaking in tongues was given for you to receive the ability of God. The ability of God. To be empowered and emboldened. It is for your time of prayer so that you may have be strengthened and, and strengthen yourself to minister to others. Praying in tongues helps you pray big prayers. If God left us to pray on our own understanding, we would pray way too small. Way too small. When do I use this, right? As I wrap up here, when do I use this? I use it, number one, for daily edification. When I'm driving in the car, before I go into a meeting, before I, uh, man, before I go on the job site anywhere, I'm praying in the spirit. I'm not out loud, again, not for show. I'm praying for self-edification. I'm building myself up to make sure that I walk into any situation, Holy Spirit's working on my behalf. I've, I've charged my battery so that he can use me, right? He's the power source. I'm just getting charged up. So if I walk into a situation, a horrible situation in the hospital, I can have faith and boldness to do what he needs me to do and not get rocked by what I see in my natural eye. I use it as daily edification for every situation. I can use it in crisis. Whenever Leslie was giving birth to our son, Gavin, she had to have an emergency C-section. It was scary. There was... A lot of reports coming in. It, it was an emergency. I had ran out of English words. And all I could do was pray in the spirit. Leslie, I prayed loud enough where we could hear each other. She didn't know what I was saying. I'm praying in the spirit. But you know what? It gave her spirit peace. Her mind said, I don't know what he's saying, but her spirit said, I know that language. Guess what? We have a healthy boy today. Because when crisis came, I had a weapon to use. It's a part of your armor. Read Ephesians 6. It's another homework assignment. Read Ephesians 6 and read the end of your armor of God. It says, pray all times in the spirit. It's a part of your armor. And if I don't use it, I'm leaving myself open for an attack from the enemy. I can use it for an unknown burden. If I ever wake up in the middle of the night and I can't sleep, I'm, I automatically assume God's trying to get my attention to pray. Have you ever felt the need to pray for someone? I just, I don't know why. They're just on my heart, they're on my mind. Pray in the spirit. He's gonna pray the perfect prayer that they need that you have no understanding about. Last thing is this. I heard the story, there's two friends that got together and they were praying and neither of them had ever prayed in the spirit before. But they were together and they were just, man, two guys and man, they're just on fire for God. They were just praying, praying together out loud. One of them starts to pray in the spirit for the very first time. And as he's praying in the spirit, his other friend was kind of like, that sounds a little weird. He knew about it, but he's like, that sounds a little strange. He almost began to chuckle to himself and laugh like, that sounds weird, and man, he's not very good at that. And in that moment, God spoke to his heart, and he said this. 
at least he has the courage to try. And church, that's all I'm asking you to do today. This isn't for your salvation. That's what Jesus, that's a free gift. This is for your spiritual success here on earth. I would never force this on you because the Holy Spirit won't force it on you. But all I'm asking is this, would you have the courage to try? If you've never done this before, I just want to give you that opportunity. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.